Hey, this is John Legadakis, and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of a conference call that I do each week with other internet marketers where we talk about how we can market our products and services better, get more traffic, and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Today, we have a special guest, Carl Gribble. Thank you for joining us, Carl. Thank you, John. Uh, I'll give you a bit of background about Carl. Carl is a marketer who specializes in growing companies by building brands. Over the past 20 years, Carl has worked with both large and small organizations from startups to publicly listed companies. He has collaborated on campaigns to accelerate growth for some of the world's largest organizations, including IBM and Microsoft. Being experienced in all facets of marketing communications has enabled Carl to successfully build brands using a variety of techniques, including digital advertising, public relations, sales, and lead generation. In recent years, Carl has run his own specialist agency and consulted to numerous startup firms. During this time, he recently made an appearance as a guest speaker at the QUT Business School, lecturing on applied marketing practice. Carl holds a master's in integrated marketing communication, is the recipient of the 2012 Dean's Award for Excellence and recently graduated from Harvard. In his last industry appointment, he was responsible for driving business growth to win the 2013 Wes Farmers Industrial and Safety Supplier of the Year for growth ahead of 5,000 other suppliers. And last year, Carl won the inaugural award for Group Mentor of the Year from the QUT Mentorship Scheme. It's very impressive and we're very privileged and grateful to have you with us today to learn from your experiences Carl and so tell us Carl how did you get started in marketing and what led you to where you are today great yeah thank you John thanks for that great introduction with my career it, re- it really started when I was 10 years old working with my father my dad was a serial entrepreneur he um, IPO'd companies in the US and the UK in the, in the biotech industry and he took me under his wing as, as my mentor. And so when I was 10 years old, he used to take me along to business meetings and used to always talk to me about his business strategies through the different businesses he worked with. And, and through that, one thing really became quite clear to me that, that marketing was the real driving force for business growth. And it really made me interested in it. And as I, as I grew older, I guess I, I became a little bit more tech-minded. I did an engineering degree. But... I quickly went back to marketing again after working in industry. So I I worked with my father for um, eight years after I graduated in the alternative health industry as a marketing coordinator and product coordinator. And from there, I went on to pursue my career in marketing. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great grounding to have to start at that such a young age, learning from someone that's had a lot of success like your your father did. So that's, that's fantastic. Now... I've read through some of your content and it's great stuff. Let's talk about some of the strategies that you teach that help businesses to grow. And one of them is that businesses, they need to grow in size to reduce risk of failure. But business growth, when not done properly, can bankrupt your business. Would you like to comment on that, Carl? Yeah, yeah, sure. I've worked in, as a marketing manager for numerous organizations for the past 20 years. And there's one lesson, one key lesson that's emerged from that, that when growth isn't managed properly, it can endanger your business and even bankrupt it. 
So I started to invest after being part of a number of companies that nearly went bankrupt from not executing growth strategy correctly. I started to investigate what ways are there to mitigate or reduce risk in, when, it's in, when, when it comes to business growth. And out of that research, the good news is that out of Silicon Valley, there's a lot of research coming out now that's showing us new ways to grow business. It's using new tools. Uh, if you've heard of Lean Startup, Agile, Business Adaptation, these are all new tools that are showing us a new worldview on how to sustainably grow any business. Mm. So I founded Aptico to bring this knowledge to small and medium-sized business around Australia. Now, yeah, one thing that you come across, John, when you look into, into business and if you start a new business is there's lots of books and blog posts that kind of romanticize being in business. It's a great thing to do. Follow your dreams and passions. But um, the truth is, unfortunately, that businesses can fail. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics last year, one in eight businesses exited the Australian economy. And the question will be, will that business be yours? A failed business can cause your staff to lose their jobs. It can cause you to lose your job. If there's any investments you've made, you can substantially lose those. It can lead to large debts that you can take on. It can actually lead to bankruptcy. And, and in the worst cases, it can put strain on marriages and, and break families apart. Yeah, and, um, and, yeah. and sorry, yep. Carl, just before you continue, that statistic was very interesting that you said one in the past year, one in every eight businesses failed. And, and I heard, uh, I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard some statistic that of all startup businesses, uh, within the first five years, uh, more than 50% of them will fail. Yeah, um, that research study is called the Australian Counts, uh, Accounts of Australian Businesses Entry and Exit Rates. If you Google something like that, you, you'll pick up the report from the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics. And in that report, they talk about not just for a startup, but the survival rate, the five-year survival rate for any business is running somewhere between 50 to 60%. Yeah. 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 It's, scary. So, it's, um, pretty, it's yeah. pretty scary stuff. It is. It is. It really, it really surprised me when I came across that research. I really had no idea. So business is, is risky business. So according to that research, that's 12.4% of all businesses failed. And that's out of 2 million businesses operating in Australia last year. That's, that's over 200,000 businesses. And if you're an owner-operator, your chances are running even worse, closer to more than 15% chances of failure. Now, but what, what you see with the research is as your business grows, as it gets larger, the chances of failure decrease. So if you look, if you grow from an owner operator to employ between one to four staff members, the year on year chance of failure decreases from around 15% to 8%. And if your business grows even more from one to four staff to five to 19 staff, the chances of failure decrease again to 6%. And eventually, if you can get to over 20 staff, that failure rate drops down to 4%. Right. The lessons from, from the research are that Businesses need to grow to become more stable, but business growth itself is risky business. Depending on the study, 50 to 80% of all new product launches fail, and according to McKinsey Corp, 25% of new market entry activities also fail. And this is pretty loose statistics, but 50% of all social media campaigns fail as well. So what the research shows is, is there's a catch-22, there's a, there's a dilemma. Your business needs to grow to reduce its chances of failure, but business growth itself 
can cause your businesses to fail. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, uh, some of the new tools that are being used today to help businesses to grow. You mentioned Lean Startup, and I actually read that book called The Lean Startup. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to, or but, I think uh, so. Yeah, by uh, Eric Reese, I think. Yes, yes, that's that's the name of the author, and it's a fantastic book. It's one of my favorite business books. I when I read a book that I I need to learn from again. I mark it as a, I have a list of all the books that I read. And if I, if it's something that I feel is really important for me to understand and implement, I mark it as reread. In other words, you have to come back to this book and listen to it again. I listen to audio books uh, of Audible. And that's one of the books that I have on my reread list. It's such a great book. It's, it's quite revolutionary in some ways. And it really helps you to understand that what you're saying here, Carl, that if you're going to try a new idea or start a new business, don't go all out and fit, your, you know, buy lease somewhere for two years and fit your shop out and do all that kind of stuff. And go through the product creation process or whatever your business is. Every business is different. Some are physical businesses, some are online businesses. But don't go through the whole process of getting ready to sell to thousands and tens of thousands or millions. Test your strategy first quickly get the feedback from your customers uh, but it's 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 such an important book i felt in assisting people to do business growth correctly carl you you also talk about seven ways a business can grow and the risks associated with each did you want to talk about some or all of those yeah yeah sure sure i can uh, give you a brief overview just just coming back to lean startup yeah growth strategy um is risky as, as we mentioned and lean startup is all about as you mentioned uh john testing ideally with customer feedback whether your strategy will work before you make a large-scale investment now that's all well and good but what lean startup doesn't get into are what are the different ways you can grow your business what mm. are those growth strategies right. so what, what i'm going to talk about now are seven ways to grow your business they escalate in risk as we go from uh, the top to the bottom. And by, by doing so, we can get a feel for what's very risky, what's not risky. And the, the ideal way to move forward here for any business is to really look at those low risk strategies ahead of the high risk strategies first. And you might be surprised there's some low hanging fruit that might be sitting in your business right now for you to grow. So I, I can start with the first strategy, if you like, John. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, Carl. Great. So the first strategy is customer retention. So customer retention strategies are really driven from your sales and marketing effort. And it's all about ways in which to stop your customers defecting from your business. So if you've built up a customer database, you might have been trading for, for one or two years, you would have had customers that you transacted with. And sometimes, not for all business, but businesses, but for most businesses, there's always another opportunity to sell another product or service to that existing customer. And this is a, a low risk strategy for, for any business simply because you, you have the relationship, you probably have their telephone number or their email address or, and some cheap and credible way to contact them. And because of this, customer retention strategies are all about how can we stimulate sales to our customers who already trust our brand, who are already familiar with us. And that could be as simple as sending out an email, it could be making a phone call or, and just re-establishing that connection and that uh, conversation again. So key to customer retention is understanding your customer database and knowing, making a division, saying that, okay, we've got 100 customers here, 
50 of these customers, they're currently buying office, they're active customers. They may be made purchases in the past three months, but there's 50 customers here we haven't talked to in maybe six months to 12 months. We could label them as inactive. And if you can segment your customer database and identify those inactive customers, then yeah, that's your first step to executing a customer retention strategy. That's the least risky. Now, mm -hmm. as we move into slightly more risky strategies are customer growth strategies. So customer growth strategies are strategies where we have existing customers. And with our existing customers who are, who are transacting with us, they might be buying product A or service B. And that's, that's just one or two products or services of maybe 10 to 15 or 20 that we might be selling. And not every customer buys every product or service. So what the key with customer growth strategies are is understanding if a customer is buying this product over here, say it's apples, then there might be a good chance they might want to buy oranges as well. It's looking for the, the synergies between the products and services we're selling to one customer and looking to upsell or cross-sell to them other products and services in our portfolio. Key to customer growth strategies, it's all about account management. It's about really understanding what your customer needs from the products and services you sell, how they derive value, and by, by seeing that, we can begin to make intelligent recommendations for other products and services that they can sell. Now, in today's world, the masters of cross-selling are Amazon.com. They're very big on, okay. on, on growth strategies. And if, if you ever go to Amazon, you might notice we have books recommended for you. And yes. what Amazon do, they have very uh, advanced artificial intelligent algorithms that trawl through all of your purchase history and make cross-references to with other people that might have interests similar to yours, and they can make intelligent recommendations. Mm. Well, we're, yeah. we're not Amazon in, in small business, but we can certainly do that ourselves. And, and by just understanding your customer through just recalling conversations you've had with them and looking at their purchase history, yeah, we can make recommendations for other products and services they might want to buy. And I should add, maybe a if there's hesitancy with new products or services, we can always ask our customer to trial them. We might give them a discount or maybe a free hours worth of uh, service first to, to reduce that risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can also, and a thought that came to my mind, which you, you most probably share in uh, your content is, you can always survey your customers too. Oh, absolutely, yes. I'm a big believer in surveying your customers and developing uh, consumer insights. And yeah, you know, a lot of the time with with a with a small business, that's simply the next time you, you talk to a customer or just pick up the phone and send out an email. One one thing I found in, in my career is that a loyal customer, a happy customer, is more than happy to discuss how you can deliver a better service to them. They're more than happy to discuss how the service is and what you can do to improve it. So keeping that channel of communication open, I think, is so very important. Absolutely. Great, thank you. Now, with our podcast and, and what I teach a lot, I talk a lot about internet marketing, online stuff, and obviously more and more people are buying online. And one of the things that you talk about, Carl, is how the internet, using content prototypes and content experiments, can test any business growth strategy, reducing risk and enabling you to make business growth decisions on fact and not opinion. Would you like to talk more about that? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So this is all very new and it's at the heart of a lot of books about business at the moment. Probably the, the leaders in this field would be um, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and the way they teach entrepreneurship. The kind of, the, the heart of this idea is kind of, it's a little bit left to center, but it goes something like this. 
You might have a, a product or a service and it's physical or tangible or it's a service that you can discuss and demonstrate. But when it comes to promoting your service or product, you promote it with content. So for example, you might come across a new uh, supplier of a product or service and go to their website. Now on that website, you might see videos, screenshots, testimonials, lots of information about the, that product or service, but you're not actually holding the product in your hand and you're not actually using that service. So what that website does is that it uses content to inform us about what that product or service is prior to purchase. And really good engaging mm -hmm. content can reduce uncertainty and give us enough information so we hit the buy now button on, on that website. Now, this is just an interesting aspect of, of the human condition and, and how we make purchase decisions. And if you hadn't really thought of it before, before you buy any product or service, it might be a computer or a car, there's an inherent risk it might not work after you buy it. And no matter what happens prior to purchase, with all the content, the reviews, and the word of mouth, any product or service that you buy might not satisfy you and might, might break later on down the track. And I think we've all had an experience where we've had a computer or a car that we, we thoroughly love the brand, but after a period of time, it broke down. So content can be used to explain what that product or service is before you purchase it. So how do we use that to test uh, our strategies? You might be running a customer growth or retention strategy and other strategies we didn't talk about would be product development or developing new services or entering new markets. And whether it's a, a campaign for customer retention or customer acquisition or whether it's a new product or new service, we can describe all of those things with content. So for example, I was working with one client and we were developing a new type of software and it was very high tech and it was a very expensive long-winded research and development process to build this software mm -hmm. and probably we're probably looking at half a million to a million dollars over a 12-month period and and the client really wanted to know is there a viable market for this software so, so what right. we ended up doing was developing a one-page website and we mocked up the software with uh, what we call wireframe software so a wireframe is like a mock-up of a, of a website or an application and we, we mocked it up very quickly and we did it all on research based on good research and we took screenshots of the software and we put it on this landing page for a website it's yeah. a one page website and all the website was was you just read about the software you saw the screenshots you understood how it worked you saw the problems it fixed and there was expression of interest form would you like to right. know more about this product and we did a press release for that. We did some LinkedIn advertising and some blog posting. And, and what we found was very interesting. That there was a very, it's a very small, high-tech audience for this software. But we got published in four different journals. And we got good engagement on our LinkedIn ads with very high click-through rates. And awesome. the conversion rate for the website from people entering that landing page to filling in the form was 12%. So the conversion wow. rate was, yep. was very high. So, yeah, yep. so John, what, what that showed us was that there was definitely a market and we actually generated $1 million worth of leads. And we also demonstrated not just that the product had a viable market, but the content we used to promote it worked as well, as well as that campaign. So that's what one example. Yeah. But, and what we're looking to do is before we, using the Lean Startup 
you know, methods is before we really engage in all that product development or developing that service, or it could even be before we really invest heavily in a promotional campaign, we want to mock up some content about that yep. campaign, product or service, get it in front of a customer. It might be a website. It could even be you talking directly to a customer with a brochure, just a one-page brochure that you, you did on MS Word and you printed on your home printer. But you put that in front of a client and say, would you like to buy this? Yes. And, yeah. and, and make it as honest as possible, the response. And uh, yeah, from that, we can begin to adapt our, our offering. So as you might know, with Lean Startup, a really important thing here is learning. And we might get positive feedback in the example I just gave you. That was very positive. But it might we might not get as positive feedback. And the, the key with, with this method is that we want to get feedback, in particular negative feedback. So when you show that client that brochure, if they're not interested in that product or service, ask them why. And we can take mm -hmm. them on board. We, we might discover if we're creating a new type of apple pie that the shape of that pie wasn't very appealing. You know, clients did not like the triangular shape of the apple pie and, and the, the fact that it had green pastry. So uh, that sounds a little bit silly, but there may be certain features or product attributes that the client doesn't like. We can get that feedback and we begin to change what that product is. Yes. And then we can create a new brochure, show it to the client again, and see if they're happy. And we, we call that optimization. And, and that, that's key to the Lean Startup process. Yeah, and in the example too, in in the Lean Startup book, and in the example you just gave, the the author of the book talked about a software company he had, and chat software that he was creating, and what happened was by getting customers to come in, and actually, or potential customers, people that would be interested in using that kind of software, and get them to actually use it, they could find out what features. They, they wanted to use, which ones they didn't want to use, and it just saved them hours and hours and hours of programming, like weeks and months of programming for stuff that they didn't need to put into the software. Because sometimes we don't really know what the person wants until they actually start interacting with the product. Again, it's going to be different for every product, but in the case of software and, and when you're spending a lot of time and money developing it, it's great to be, if you can get people using it and giving you feedback and saying, hey, yeah, we, this is what we want out of it. This is what we, we don't really need that. Just saves you a lot of time and money and frustration. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Carl, what's the biggest marketing mistake you feel most new startups make? Oh, yeah. Well, well, that was a great lead into what that mistake would be. I think for a lot of startups, I've been involved in a few. I've consulted with quite, quite a few startups as well. And I think, I think we can say that it's a burning passion. It's, it's a desire. When, when we start a new business, we wholly and solely and we fully believe in that new product or service that we're bringing to customers. And, and we really believe that in our brand, in our logo, our about us section on our website, describing what we do and why we're doing it, we, we have this you know, burning desire. And you know, that is so important mm -hmm. for a startup. And without that yeah. burning desire, you'll never get past all the all the failures and and all the people saying you can't succeed. Those dream stealers, they'll bring you down. And and you know, the, a, a key ingredient of any small business owner, any entrepreneur, is having that drive to succeed. But that drive to succeed can also work against us, and it can it can happen in businesses way past the startup phase. A lot of the time, that burning passion can misdirect us. If, if we might believe in in something that 
is based more on an opinion than a fact. And talking about the, the example from Lean Startup, if you're developing software, or in the case I was saying, if you're, if you're baking green triangular apple cakes, this might not be what people really want. And we really need to temper our beliefs about what people want with the facts of what people want. And that, mm -hmm. that, that's interesting yeah. because that, for a lot of people, that, that burning passion is driven by these deep-seated beliefs that tend to run counterpoint to what people are telling them. And you see, that is what you need to do as an entrepreneur when your friend says, look, Carl, I see what you're doing with your business, but mate, seriously, I'm worried that you're going to fail and you know, maybe you should really think about not risking all this money. And of course, as an entrepreneur, you say, no, I am doing this. I'm 100% positive I can make this work. And, and this is such an important trait. But the problem with that attitude is that if you're believing in something so strongly, but you, you haven't been talking to customers and getting that feedback integrated into yeah. your day-to-day your -day operations of your business, that strong belief can unfortunately lead you down a path where customers might not really want to engage with your brand and buy your products and services. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I mean, you need to have a balance where you believe in yourself and your product, but at the same time, you do have to respond to your market and there is this opinion and I've read stuff about you need to be unique in your market and that's true as well. But the uniqueness might be a customer service experience rather than your product or service. And that could be what sets you apart from your market. But yeah, you, you have to give, be able to give people what they want Yeah, yeah to be successful, definitely. Another question I have for you, Carl, was for long, let's say you're a long-running successful business but you're struggling to take your revenue and profits to the next level. Have you dealt with businesses like that? And what do you find is the most common bottlenecks? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, I've, I've worked in quite a number of companies where I've come across this problem. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But I think the, the, the biggest reason is that when you first started a company, a company might have done very well with one product. And that's what kickstarted the company from startup to get to maybe year five or year 10 down the track. And sometimes sales will plateau and they, they won't increase. And it's, it's at that point the business really needs to look at different growth strategies that, that might be a little bit more drastic than just customer retention. It might be a new product introduction, entering a new market. And this becomes quite risky. What I've seen time and time again, that a big mistake that companies make that are established when growing is exactly what we're talking about with startup businesses. They are making decisions based on opinion and not fact. I mean, a great example of that would be a salesperson, for example, your salespeople, you go to them if you own a business to find out what customers want. But even salespeople sometimes can, can have misconceptions about what customers want, in particular, if it's a new product or a new market the business has never played in before. What can happen is that big decisions can be made and unlike a startup, uh, an established business will have money in the bank or they can, they can borrow money. And sometimes businesses, uh, the, I mean, there's one company I work for, they released a new product and they invested about half a million dollars into this product with very little market research. In fact, um, it was just based on uh, one salesperson talking to maybe three or four people. And okay. yeah, they went ahead, they, they did the manufacturing, um, it was a long development path, uh, shipped in the product to containerized from China, it sat on in the warehouse shelves, and uh, eventually the cost of holding the stock after two years meant that it was cheaper to dump it in the garbage than it was to, um, 
to keep it in the warehouse. So it was, it was a bit right. of a failure. Right. Yeah. So the temptation with an established business is that you, you earn big and you spend big, but that can actually lead yeah. to, 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 to big, big disaster. So again, it's, it's lean startup again. It, it's all about, even if you've been established for a long period of time, it's about thinking like a startup and not losing that, that entrepreneurial uh, get up and go to get out the door with, a, with a, just a little brochure or a little product sample and ask customers, is this what you want? Make, mm. make decisions based on facts, not opinions. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thank you for that, Carl. Yeah, excellent. Before we close, uh, and look, I really, again, really appreciate you being on the call. You've shared a lot of great insights with us. Is there any last thoughts you want to share before we end today's uh, interview? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I think what's important with growing any business is keeping your options open. So it's really, before we commit to any one particular strategy, and it's very tempting to, to really commit to a strategy when we're thinking about growing a business. For example, Facebook, very common one, or I'll refresh my website. And we can, if we start talking, uh, if we start thinking along those lines, we might lose sight of other ways that we could, we could make money. For example, we discussed customer retention, and that yeah. can be a very cost-effective way to create business uh, just by talking to your existing customers. So mm. I, think, I think what's important is, is having a, Meted and measure approach, looking, tabling all the different strategies on the table and really trying to understand the risks involved in each one. And after we get a picture of that, we focus on testing and we want to talk to consumers as quickly as possible for as little money as possible, learn from them and, and try to avoid mistakes that those larger companies can make. Excellent. Again, thank you uh, so much, Carl for what, what you've been able to share with us today. I know that it's going to help a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, those that are just starting out in their business, and even those, especially those that have been in business for a while and are looking to improve their business. Now, Carl, if someone wants to learn more about your, uh, well, wants to work with you, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Is it directly, uh, do you want to leave a mobile number or direct them to your website? Oh, look, um, yeah, look, if you want to call me direct, I'm more than happy to take your call. The number is 0423-953-349, or you can visit my website, aptico, A-P-T-I-C-O, dot com dot A-U. On that website, there's a whole lot of resources on growing your business, ebooks you can download, free industry reports, and it's all designed to really help you make informed decisions and uh, mitigate those risks in business growth. And I, should, I want to let everyone know as well that you can grab a free copy of Carl's latest book, A Step-by-Step -Step Guide to Design, Test, and Select Business Growth Strategy. To grab your free copy, go to aptico.com.au or even better, to go directly to the page where you can download a copy. Google Aptico Business Growth Guide and it should be the top Google search result on the uh, aptico.com.au website. All right, again, thank you so much, Carl. It's been great having you on the call. We wish you uh, all the very best with your business. Thank you very much, John. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the experience. And if you ever want to talk again, I'm more than happy to. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. A transcript summary of today's podcast, including links to sites mentioned is available on my blog at johnlagodakis.com. That's J-O-H-N-L-A-G-O-U-D-A-K-I-S.com. And if you'd like help 
setting up your own successful internet marketing business. I highly recommend you check out my free webinar at makemoneywithjohn.com. Thank you for joining us on this audio program. For more online success strategies, visit makemoneywithjohn.com.